You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Bhutan on the Calvary Brighton Podcast. Now, you've probably heard this before, but I heard about a guy named Robert. And, and, and Robert got really excited when he heard that a, that a famous televangelist was coming to town and, and he was going to hold one of, these, one of these tent revival meetings. And so he goes to the meeting and, and, and he's just so excited and the preacher's up there and, and he kind of just gets caught in the moment. So much so that Robert decides to go forward for an altar call. He goes forward and, and he asks for prayer for his hearing. Well, now the, the, the evangelist grabs Robert by both ears, shakes him back and forth and shakes him left and right. And, and, and over and over again, he keeps declaring and shouting and saying, in, in the name of Jesus, you are healed. In the name of Jesus, you are healed. And then he turns and he says, Robert, do you have enough faith to believe that Jesus can do a miracle in your life? And Robert says, yes, I, I, I do. Yes, sir, I believe. And at that, he, he says, how's your hearing? And Robert turns and says, well, I don't know. Uh, the, the hearing's not till Tuesday when I go to the courthouse. <laughs> and so we've been, we've been looking at spiritual gifts. Now, so far, the two gifts that we've looked at are the word of wisdom and also the, the word of knowledge. And now this morning in chapter 12, the two other gifts we're gonna look at are the, the gifts of faith and the gifts of healing. Now, <coughs> pardon me. Before we, before we break down the gifts of faith and healing, before we look at the so-called gift of faith, first of all, as we pick it up in verse 9 again, let's look at, 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 at faith in general. Faith in general. And faith in general, we, we see that the Bible talks about, number one, two, um, the Bible mentions that, that we need to be saved by faith, and the Bible mentions that we need to live by faith. So when it comes to faith in general, there's two things. We're saved by faith, but we also need to live by faith. So with that in mind, verse nine, it says again, to another faith by the same spirit. Now again, the apostle Paul there is talking about the spiritual gift of faith, but that's different than just general faith. Again, general faith, we would start with, with being saved by faith. We're saved by faith. You know, I, I told you before about the Sunday school teacher who asked the kids in her class and she said, now, now children, if, if, I, if I sold my house and gave all that money to the church, would that make me good enough to go to heaven? And they all said, no. She says, well, if I sell my car, get, get rid of all my worldly possessions and give all that money to the poor, would that make me good enough to go to heaven? And they said, no. And, and she said, well, if, if, if I you know, devoted my life to feeding the poor and taking care of the homeless, and if I adopt as many orphans as I possibly can, will I be good enough to go to heaven? And again, they said, no. And she said, well, well, what do I need to do to go to heaven? One little boy looks up and says, ma'am, if you want to go to heaven, you got to die. Uh, <coughs> well, biblically, we, we know that the only thing we need to do to go to heaven is believe in Jesus. Have faith. We are saved by faith. Romans 10, verse 9, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And, and so there, there, there is verse after verse after verse in the Bible that, that teaches us that, that salvation is a gift. It's a free gift from God. For example, Romans 5.15, we read, but the gift is not like the trespass, for if many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? It's a gift. 
In the same way, John chapter one, verse 12. But to all who, who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right, he gave the right to become children of God. Then of course, there's the, the, the famous Ephesians 2, verse eight that says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And so over and over again, we see that, that, you, that, 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 that salvation is a gift. It's a free gift from God, but we receive that gift by faith. That's what it means when we say that we're saved by faith. But then number two, the Bible also tells us that we are to live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, what it means to, to walk by faith is the idea that, that, that you know, no matter how bad things look in your life right now, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how hard it is, you know that, that, that God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. He will not abandon you. That, that, that somehow, some way, God's going to do something. There will be a breakthrough. That's the idea of walking by faith. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said, it's not to be imagined that he who helped you in six trials would leave you in the seventh. That's what it looks like to walk by faith. But again, Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And again, that's how we get saved. We hear the word and we believe the word. Now, Dwight Moody, uh, he, he said this, he said, I prayed for faith and thought that someday it would come down and strike me like lightning, but faith didn't seem to come. And one day I read in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now I had up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith, but now I open my Bible and begin to study and faith has been growing ever since. And so Moody's reminding us that, that really the very thing that helped us come to faith in the first place, namely the word of God, is the very same thing that helps us to continue to grow in our faith. So the more we're in his word, the more our faith grows, but then on the flip side, we shouldn't be surprised when, when, when it's like the less time we spend in his word, then, then the less faith we have. So the more we're in his word, the more our faith grows, but the less we're in his word, the weaker our faith gets. So in general, we're saved by faith and we're called to live by faith. But that's different than what Paul's talking about in chapter 12. So as we pick it up in verses eight and nine, Paul is talking about the spiritual gift of faith. Look at verse eight again, <coughs> right after this drink. Verse eight. For to, for to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit. So now, again, everyone who's saved by faith is called to live by faith. But that's not the same thing as the spiritual gift of faith. In fact, it would seem that the spiritual gift of faith is something that's only available to some Christians, not all Christians. Now think about it. Everyone is, is saved by faith. All of us are called to live by faith, but only some will receive the spiritual gift of faith. Now, how do we know that? How do we know that it's just some? Well, notice the emphasis in verses eight and nine. Notice again, it says, for to one is given through the spirit utterance of wisdom. 
to another knowledge. And then he says, and to another faith by the same spirit. In other words, not everyone has the same spiritual gift. One person gets this spiritual gift, but another person gets that spiritual gift. One person gets this spiritual gift and another person gets the gift of faith. Now, a spiritual gift of faith is, has been defined this way. It's been defined as a special faith for, for unique circumstances. Let me say that again. Special faith for unique circumstances. The Vincent translation of the Bible renders it this way. It says that it's wonder-working faith. Wonder-working faith in the Vincent translation. Another English translation simply calls it special faith. Skip Heidzig in his commentary says, it's a spirit-given ability to see something that God wants done and to sustain an unwavering confidence that God will do it regardless of the obstacles. It's so no matter how hard it seems, no matter how impossible it seems, somehow, some way, you just have the faith, you just trust that God will do it. This unwavering faith, this special faith that God will somehow do it. You know, it reminds me of, <coughs> of Acts chapter 3 where we read that, that, that Peter and John are, are, are going to the temple and on their way in the temple, they encounter this, this, this man outside the temple who had been crippled since birth and he's begging for alms. And Peter looks at him and says, look at us. Now, of course, this guy is expecting a handout, right? He's expecting some cash. But, but, but Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he does. I mean, he is healed instantly right on the spot and the crowd can't believe what they're seeing. I mean, I mean they're, just, they're just filled with shock and awe. And in that moment, Peter uh, announces that this miracle happened, this healing happened by faith. Now, by the way, <coughs> we need to be careful with that because, you know, there are some who take it too far and they say, well, you know, if you j j just have enough faith, you can make miracles happen. If you just have enough faith, you can, you, can, you can make a healing happen. You can do this, you can do that. You know, if you just kind of speak it into existence. You know, I told you about the two guys driving to work carpooling. And one guy turns to the other and says, hey, how's your brother doing? And he says, oh man, my brother is not doing good. He's really, really sick. In fact, he might have to go to the hospital. And his friend says, oh, don't say that. That's like a negative confession. You could speak that into existence. Don't say that he feels sick. Just say that he thinks that he's sick. So a couple weeks later, they're driving to work again. And, 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 the, and he turns and says, hey, uh, I forgot to ask you, how's your brother doing now? And the guy says, well, now my brother thinks that he's dead. Uh, and so Peter in Acts chapter three tells him that this, this, this healing happened by faith, but he's not saying that it happened because of the faith of the man who got healed. In fact, listen to this, Acts chapter three, verse 16, it says this, it says, by faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him. Notice that phrase, and the faith that comes through him, through who? Through Jesus. 
In other words, it wasn't, it wasn't Peter saying, you know, yeah, this healing happened by faith, but it wasn't because of the great faith of this, of this man that he got healed. In fact, Peter's saying, you know what? It wasn't because of my great faith that he got healed. He's saying the faith came through Jesus. It was Jesus's faith. It was, it was, it was a gift of faith. Jesus, Peter's saying, gave me the faith for this to happen. It was a gift of faith. Reminds me of the story that Chuck Smith, when he was alive, used to tell. Pastor Chuck would talk about how, how years ago he was preaching that passage out of Acts chapter three. And, <coughs> pardon me. And at the end of the service, this family came forward with their, with their grandfather who was in a wheelchair. And they come up for prayer. Now Chuck sees the guy in the wheelchair and he just thinks, well, okay, they, they want to pray for healing. Well, now in his heart, he feels like this strong urge from the Holy Spirit, this, this, this nudging, this leading to pick the guy up out of the chair and to say, you know, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he feels a strong urge. And, and, and Chuck's like arguing with the Holy Spirit. He's like, no way. Are you crazy? I'm not gonna do that. I mean, what if, it, what if it goes wrong? What if it fails? I mean, you talk about a colossal failure. And yet the Holy Spirit just kept you know, probing him and pushing him and probing him and pushing him. And so finally he, he, he gives in, picks a guy up and says, rise up and walk. And he does. He's instantly healed right on the spot. Well, now a week later, Pastor Chuck Smith is, is, is guest speaking at a church in Arizona. And at the end of the service, somebody comes forward. And again, they're in a wheelchair. They ask for prayer. And this time Chuck just prays and he says, he says Father, I, I don't know if it's your will for this guy to be healed or not. So just pray that your will would be done. Jesus name, amen. Sends the guy off. Well, now Chuck's son, Chuck Smith Jr. was with him. He said, dad, why didn't you do what you did last week? Why didn't you, why didn't you pick the guy up out of the chair and say, rise up and walk? Chuck smiled and said, son, I didn't feel the Lord give me the faith to do it. And so that's what the gift of faith is. It's special faith for a unique circumstance. And, 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 and as we continue, we see that in some ways, this gift of faith sometimes works hand in hand with the next gift on the list in verse nine. And that, as we look at verse nine, is the gift of healing. <coughs> and so verse nine, after he says, to another faith by the same spirit, he then says, and to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. Now, I want you to notice that the word gifts there is in the plural. In fact, if you're reading from the New King James Version, it would say gifts of healings, plural. It's almost as if the New King James is, is overemphasizing uh, the, the plural. Why? Well, because the original Greek language was actually overemphasizing the plural. In other words, it's not in the singular. It's not the gift of healing, nor is it the office of the healer. It's in the plural, it's the gifts of healings. Now, why do I mention that? Well, I mention that. You know, nowadays we, we often talk about the so-called faith healers, right? You know, like, like Benny Hinn and friends. Kind of sounds like a Saturday morning cartoon. You know, maybe they dress up in a purple suit and sing, I love you, you, you know, and you know, but, you know, these guys will just come up and, and, and say, you know, say that they can heal you at will. <laughs> but as we look at this, as we look at this verse, what we need to realize and see is, is that there's no such thing as the gift, no such thing as, as the office of the healer, nor the singular, the gift of healing. It's the plural, the gifts of healings. 
which seems to imply that this is one of these sort of, sort of momentary gifts where, where as, as, as the need arises, as the situation comes up, it kind of case by case, situation by situation. You know, it's, in other words, it's not one of these, these, these things where, where one person has complete control over this gift and, and they can heal anyone at will, you know, just kind of line people up and heal them at command as they see fit. But rather, it's situation by situation, case by case, moment by moment, and it's as the Holy Spirit wills. In fact, skip down to verse 11. Verse 11, it says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So it's not as the faith healer wills. It's not even as the sick person wills. It's as the Holy Spirit wills. Sometimes he wills for a person to be healed and sometimes he, he wills for a person not to be healed. Think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was used by God to heal so many people, but he couldn't heal himself. He couldn't heal Timothy, who had some kind of a stomach ailment. There were several people that, that, that for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit chose not to heal. It's as the Holy Spirit wills. So obviously, there's a lot of abuse when it it comes to this gift. In fact, because of the abuse when it comes to this gift, there are some who would say that this gift has ceased, that it's no longer for today. In fact, oftentimes they would say that that it's only a quote-unquote sign gift, meaning that, that it was meant to be a sign to sort of validate the ministry of the apostles, to sort of prove that the apostles were actually sent by Jesus but they would say now that the apostles have ceased, the gift of healing has ceased. They'd say now that the apostles are dead, this gift is dead, we don't need it anymore. Now the only problem with that is that when we look at the New Testament, we see that there are a number of people that God used to heal people and yet they were not apostles. You know, for example, so we we, we read about Stephen and Philip. Uh, You know, Stephen and Philip, they were not apostles. The Bible tells us they were deacons. And that even though they were only deacons, the Bible says that both Stephen and Philip performed signs and wonders and miracles. And then we read about Ananias. Now, Ananias was not an apostle either. In fact, the Bible says he was just a disciple. In other words, he was just a garden variety, average Joe Christian like you and I. And even though he was not an apostle, the Bible says that God called Ananias to go and pray for Paul, to lay hands on Paul, and then he, he, he used Ananias to heal Paul of his blindness. And so we have these examples in the Bible where it was not just the apostles using this gift. And so that would mean that it was not just a sign gift to authenticate and validate uh, the, the, the apostles. Now, not only that, but church history shows us that, 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 that the gift of healing outlived the apostles, that long after the apostles died, the gift of healing lived on. For example, church father Irenaeus, who, who lived from, from 130 AD to 200 AD. <coughs> Pardon me. Irenaeus documents uh, numerous cases after the apostles had died where, where, where the gift of tongues continued and the gift of prophecy continued and numerous cases where people had been healed. And then uh, there's church father Tertullian who lived from 160 AD to 215 AD. This is after the apostles. And Tertullian documents bona fide healing after bona fide healing after bona fide healing. And then there's Augustine who lived from 354 to 430 AD. In other words, some 300 years after the apostles. 
And, and, and Augustine in his book titled The City of God documents one authentic healing after another authentic healing after another authentic healing. And then we have Martin Luther all the way in the 1500s. You know, kind of the founder of the Lutheran church, by the way. Now, Luther in his personal diary, in his personal journal, talks about how, how a close friend of his, his, his assistant in ministry named Philip Melanchthon, was on his deathbed and how before Luther's very eyes, he personally witnessed uh, Melanchthon being instantaneously healed on his deathbed. And then we have, you know, documented cases, authentic, bona fide cases of actual healings that have taken place. I just told you the story about Chuck Smith. But cases that can be medically proven of healing after healing after healing. And so this is a gift that is still for today, but at the same time, it's being abused today. And because it's being abused, we need to understand what the Bible teaches. We need to understand that, that in this passage, it, that there's no such thing as the office of the healer. And there's, and there's no such thing as the gift of healing. It's in the, it's in the plural, the gifts of healings as the Holy Spirit wills. These case-by-case, case, situation-by-situation, where, where, where for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit chooses to heal this person, but perhaps chooses not to heal that person. And by the way, that's why we need faith. As we pick it back up in verses seven through nine, to quote the, the great scholar from the, from the 1980s, George Michael, we gotta have faith. <laughs> why? Because you know what? It is one thing to have faith that God can do a miracle. But you know what? If God, for whatever reason, chooses not to do a miracle, you might need even more faith. And so in verse seven, he says again, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, and to another, faith by the same spirit and to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. So again, as, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, as, as, as people of faith, we've been called to live by faith. We've been called to walk by faith. You know, uh, Romans 1.17, the righteous will live by faith. Or Galatians 2.20, the apostle Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. And so every one of us, we've been called to live by faith. But what about those times when, when it's hard to believe? What about those times where, where, where it's hard to have faith, where it's hard to live by faith? You know, like the time we read about in Mark chapter nine, where this, we read about this brokenhearted father who, who brings his son who's demon possessed to Jesus, to be healed by Jesus, to be delivered by Jesus. And Jesus turns and he, and he says, if, if you believe, all things are possible to those who believe. And yet the response is interesting because in, in Mark chapter nine, verse 24, it says, and immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Now listen, if you've been a Christian for more than 20 minutes, there's a chance you've been there. I mean, chances are we, we, we've all been there. We've all had these times in our life where it's hard to believe. I mean, we believe, but, but, it, but it's, it's too hard to really believe. We have faith in Jesus, but it's hard to live by faith. 
You know, maybe it's a time where the doctor uses the quote unquote C word, cancer. You know, or maybe it's a time where, where your CEO brings you into his office, talks to you about the economy, tells you how things are going and how they're having to make some changes and how they have to let you go. And here it is, you know, it's almost Christmas and now you don't have a job. Or, you know, or, 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 or maybe it's the creditors coming to, 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 to collect. Or maybe it's this trial or, or that crisis or this tragedy. And listen, I believe that it's in times like that that oftentimes God raises up those who seem to have this special gift of faith. The special faith for unique circumstances. These inspiring people who, who just have this deep conviction that, 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 that God's going to do something, that God's not finished, that, 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 that there's going to be a breakthrough, that something's going to happen. You know, I, I read about a church in 1970 in, 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 New, in New Jersey. They just completed a building project and, 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 and they were excited. They're about to move in, but the city was refusing to give them their certificate of occupancy. Now, here was the problem. The problem was that, was that they didn't have enough parking. Now, they had enough land for a parking lot, but the problem was all the land that they had was basically just one big mountain just one big 40 to 50 foot hill of, of solid dirt, clay, rock, and sand. But they were out of money. They didn't have any more money to excavate and to remove all the dirt and then to, and then to pave and to turn it into a parking lot. And so with that, the congregation was discouraged. The, the elders of the church had, had given up hope. They're like, you know what? I mean, we've spent all this money. We, we, we have all this debt and, 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 and we can't open the doors. Our doors are shut even before we can open them. But the pastor was one of these guys who seemed to have the gift of faith, that special faith for unique circumstances. And, and he just believed that God would do something, that there'd be a miracle, that there'd be some kind of a breakthrough. And so he stood up and he said, listen, Jesus said that if you had faith as much as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed and it would move. He says, so listen, on Wednesday night, we're gonna have a prayer meeting. And anybody who actually believes what Jesus said, when Jesus said, speak to this mountain, it'll move, and it'll move. If you actually believe that, then join us for prayer on Wednesday. The whole church showed up for prayer. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And when you believe the next day, they get a call from the telephone company telling them that, that they, they, they had wanted to build a new site, but the, the land that they bought for this new site was, 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 was swampy ground and they needed fill dirt, lots and lots of fill dirt. And so they were offering to take all that dirt and clay and rock and sand, that big mountain behind them, to, to move all of it, and, and, and then to level the ground and then pave it for them, turn it into a parking lot, and on top of that, pay them another $5,400 just to do it. It was an answer to prayer. It was an answer to the prayer of someone who had this special faith in a unique circumstance, who just knew that he knew that there would be a breakthrough. I believe that's an example of the gift of faith. I think another example of the gift of faith is not this cup, but I think an example of gift of faith would, would, be, would be the life of George Mueller. Now, if you don't know George Mueller, I mean, this is a man who, who basically lived, lived his whole life by faith. In fact, in his personal journal, he documented what he called 50,000 answers to prayer. 50,000 times where God broke through, where God showed up. 
And if you don't know, Mueller uh, in, in Bristol, England, uh, had operated a, an orphanage for 2,000 children. Now, with this orphanage and the time that he ran the orphanage, I mean, it was like one miracle after another miracle after another miracle. For example, one evening they discovered that they're out of food, that they don't have enough food to have breakfast for, for, for the 2,000 kids for the next morning. And so he pulls the staff together. He tells them what's going on. They're discouraged. Some of them feel like giving up. I mean, they're just, you know, they're hopeless. And then, and then, and, and then Mueller says, you know what? He trusts God. He just believes that, that God's gonna do something. That there's gonna be a breakthrough that God will provide. He says, let's pray for God to provide. Well, the next morning, <coughs> one of the workers uh, goes to open the front door, but the front door won't budge. Something's jamming it. He figures, well, maybe, maybe it snowed the night, you know, over the night and maybe there's a pile of snow blocking the door. So he grabs a snow shovel, goes around the back all the way to the front, only to discover that it wasn't a pile of snow blocking the door. Rather, it was a pile of box after box after box filled with food. Not just enough food for 2,000 kids for breakfast, but for the whole month. On another occasion, they ran out of food. This happened a lot. They run out of food and, and, and it's the morning, there, there's no food for breakfast. The kids are getting nervous, the kids are worried. Mueller can see the, the, the worry on their face and, and so he, he turns to a little girl and he holds her hand and says, come, let's see what our heavenly father will do. And he knelt down and prayed and he said, father in heaven, we thank you for the meal we're about to receive. There was no food yet, but he prayed as if he'd already received the food and he was thankful for it. And as soon as he said, in Jesus name, amen, there was a knock at the door opens the door and it's the town baker who tells him, you know, Mr. Mueller, I, I couldn't sleep last night. God woke me up in my sleep and, and you know, kind of leading me to believe that, that you didn't have any food. So I've been up all night long since two in the morning baking all this bread. Here's, here's hundreds of loaves of fresh baked bread. As soon as that guy left, literally there's another knock at the door. This time it's the, it's, it's the milkman announcing that, that his milk cart broke down right in front of the orphanage and he needs to, 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 to flip the cart over so he can fix the wheel but to flip the cart over, he's got to get rid of all the milk. He wants to know, can I donate all this milk to the kids in the orphanage? And that morning they had fresh bread and fresh milk for breakfast. And Mueller has case after case, 50,000 different times where God showed up, where God came through. And again, well, what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? We'll go back to verse seven. Verse seven, it says, each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Some of your English translations will, will say for the profit of all, the profit of the body of Christ. Listen, why does the body of Christ need, need a spiritual gift like, like this, like the gift of faith? Why does the body of Christ need, need a, the, the, the gift of faith? Well, let me ask you this. Has anyone been paying attention to how bad things are lately? The economy? Anybody been grocery shopping lately? I mean, you know, maybe you've seen this meme, you know, this is just in. You know, due to inflation, uh, a picture's now worth 2,000 words. Thank you, Ron Burgundy. But we're facing a time where, where we're seeing the highest inflation that we've seen in 41 years. Experts are saying that, that grocery prices are higher than the inflation rate. The White House announced a month or so ago that, that housing prices are actually outpacing the inflation rate. And it's bad and it's going from bad to worse and it seems like there's no hope in sight. So why do we need a gift of faith? Well, because so many of us have the gift of being Eeyore. 
oh well, can't buy groceries today. And so listen, I believe in, in times like this, in days like the days that we're living in, where, where it's going from bad to worse, and it seems like it's gonna get worse than that, it's in times like this that we need more George Mueller's. That, that, that we need more men and more women in the body of Christ who have this special gift of faith, this special ability to, to help remind us that the same God who brought us through COVID, the same God who just brought us through this crisis and that tragedy and this hardship and this next crisis is the same God who's gonna get you through this one. Again, those words of Charles Spurgeon, I think this is a man with the gift of faith. I read it earlier. He said, it's not to be imagined that he who was faithful in six trials would leave us in the seventh. And so listen, if you're here in this church, you're in the body of Christ, and if he has given you that special gift, the gift of faith, now more than ever, the body of Christ needs that gift. We need that reminder that there will be a breakthrough. And that's why you matter in this body. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.